Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the show that is brought to you with Levi Solicitors. You can still get that 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan, Michael and Moscow White with you for Propaganda, the show where we find out what's been said about Leeds United. Uh, part two of that will come along in a bit. That's where we find out what the opposition fans thought about it. Oh, Michael, they're not fun this week, are they? Probably. Um... Well, it's not as bad as it could be. All right, don't, spo- don't spoil the surprise. There's a real treat in store. First of all, let's um, have a dive into what we got from our TSB Plus members, our own thoughts about uh, reflections on the game a couple of days on, the Leeds angle on the 4-2 defeat at home to Man United. What was the prevailing mood? Weird. I don't think people quite know, knew what to think because people had had a nice time and a terrible time all wrapped up in a single day um, and it, it caused some... Some weird. You went to the theme park. You went on the roller coaster. It was fun, but then you were sick on the candy floss. Is that kind of the vibe? Yeah, that that sort of thing. Clarky Boy seventy two says just another totally absorbing game of football. I can't be mad at this team. Um, and like, is it to your dog rolling around in shit? Mm. <laughs> and then you're having to clean it up. But you're like, well, but we did have a nice time at the park. But it's uh, yeah, there's there's that kind of a vibe running through it. I think one of the things that I don't think we really went to town on on the match ball, which I did pick up on and having watched it back which something Jimmy Walker pointed out was just how bad the defending was for basically all of them. Yes. Like we, we watch them all back and you're like, oh God, oh God, how has that failed so badly? I can't normally indulge in the highlights uh, of a game after we've lost, particularly one that stings like that. But I did watch this one back, yeah. And that also jumped out at me. That's my searing analysis of this game. <laughs> we were bad in defence. Yeah. I mean, a few people picking up on the fact that um, Strauch was outside the box trying to mark McTominay as they scored from a corner. I mean, I was busy watching... It was Stuart Dallas was trying to pick up Ronaldo from that corner that Maguire scored from. And I was thinking, seeing that one and thinking, that's not a good idea. Yeah. Ronaldo can leap about three metres into the air mm. and, and has scored a ridiculous number of headed goals. And Stuart Dallas... But they, they hate him and don't want to pass to him, so I don't think that's that much of a threat. Possibly, possibly. And I also didn't realise that the extent of Strauch's mistake for the last one either, where the ball was basically there at his foot. Yeah. And I, I saw some... It's not on there because I don't want to hear... The scum pan's been too happy, but some of them were saying, oh, it was such a brilliant bit of skill from Fernandez, and it was like that thing Bergkamp did years ago. And he's like, well, no, it's not, because the defender... A man fell over a ball. The defender got it. He just gave it back, straight back. Yeah, his flick didn't work. No. Stroke <laughs> helped him. Yeah, it was just a massive mess up, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, that um, that screen grab that Speed's been doing the rounds on Twitter, if you haven't seen it, it just shows that uh, Strauch is picking up McTominay from that corner, isn't it? 
uh, but he's outside the D or around the D, that sort of neck of the woods, and that doesn't help. And it is actually, I think I said on the match ball, didn't I? Like, if we were going to tweak the tactics and play zonally from corners, just have strike attacking the ball every time, mm. leave McTominay out there, because it looks like they were set up to leave as few people in the box as possible, which gave Maguire a clear run in to stick his big head on that ball. Mm. I think The reason I wasn't sure if Maguire had scored it as well, I realised from the replay, is because there's someone behind, I think it's Pogbrew's behind him, who's, I thought he was trying an overhead kick, and I wasn't sure if he'd made contact with it, because I think the person's head in front of him might have bobbed in front of me temporarily. But it was actually because Ailing was fouling him quite badly. Right, yeah. Um, so that might have also been a penalty, had they not scored from it, because Ailing's like, absolutely got, got a full fist of his shirt and dragging him down. And I didn't realise also Melier wasn't great for that. Yeah. He kind of ends up, he comes for it and then ends up nowhere near it. And, and also the near post shot that he lets in as well. Not, he's looked a little bit, not nervy is not the right word, but he's, he's just slightly lacking in confidence. Is that the way, the right way to describe it? What do you think of him? Because you like Melier, Moscow. I'd defend him on the near post one. I didn't like it at first, but then looking back, it's kicked really, really hard. Which is what he always says about his coaching. Right into yeah. the uh, the very toppest of the corner. And I don't know. That's where I say to put it. yeah. And I don't know how many people sort of, it would have been a, I don't know if goalkeepers get credit for making a save like that because it's become that kind of truism that nothing should ever go in at the near post. But I think if it's, you know, coming at you from eight yards and it's traveling at, you know, 60 miles an hour, it's probably a lot got to happen to get it, uh, to block it. And um, the save from Ronaldo is the opposite of whatever you want to say about how his confidence is because if he can do one, he can do the other. It, that didn't look like the save of somebody's confidence was in the bin. The near post thing is a bit weird because it, it is like a, it's kind of the the first rule of goalkeeping is that you're not allowed to concede at your near post. But if someone puts that shot across you because you're badly positioned too near to your near post, so it definitely can't go in there, then no one says, oh, well, he stood a bit near to his near post there. But you it's, are, as a, those... as, a, as a goalkeeper of some reputation myself, when I was about 19 for one season, okay. uh, well, you, you basically you move it in an arc between your two posts, like, to cover your angles and I can't see a lot wrong with where he is. Would you, it is would you have saved it? Yeah, easy. Um, but it is, um, it is it is hard to save a shot that comes really close to your body fast as well. Like if you mm. if you think about it, you know, trying to stop something by the side of your body that like you say, it's hit really hard. That's the important bit because it went in. It was hit hard enough to go in and that's how you score goals, isn't it, Michael? Mm. Hard kicking straight into the goal. There is a Kasper Schmeichel backed up um, Borussia Dortmund's goalkeeper about um, complaining about the near post, the goal, the uh, the Borussia player said, it's a myth, something I've never understood. One day someone just came up with it and said a goalkeeper should never be beaten at the near post. Anyone who's played in goal knows it's a huge area and you try to cover the whole goal. Fact, yeah. Uh, you okay, can't... Not, uh, not in a long to that, just in case you couldn't see. It's all in uh, <laughs> uh, block capitals as well. Mm-hmm. So um, That makes it more true. Isn't it true? Is that yep. you can't try and cover the whole goal and the guarantee that the ball won't go in at the near post if it's a great shot near post far post? Did you just say this? Uh, it's very reminiscent of what you were saying near post far post. You try to cover it all, probably, and you're not happy if it goes in anywhere. Goalkeeper tries to cover goal shocker. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're saying. Let's move on because I think it's it's a it's fairly obvious, isn't it? Shit happens, doesn't it, when it comes to stuff like that. Mm. And the the main point with Melier is we expose him to so many shots and so many chances. It's not like a keeper who's expected to pop up once every 20 minutes like mm. uh, Mendy at Chelsea whatever who's probably uh, you know having to make one good save a mm. game and do a few things each half and also have to deal with the fact we don't really defend corners yeah. at all we we do like a weird thing where we seem to watch the man and let them have the header which, somebody seemed, which is actually, controversial remind me somebody tweeted us this morning let me see if I can dig it out but it was about Urente 
just saying, what's going on with him lately? He's just mad, isn't he? We covered that on, on the match mm. ball. I think it's just sometimes he just he's away with the fairies. His brain does different things to other people. The good form towards the end of the last season, we put down to to him, didn't we? It was Colin, Colin, it by was, the way. Um, we were saying that, you know, he was... Uh, he looked like one of our be- probably our best centre back at the end of last season, and you know if we'd have had him all season, we'd have probably gone to Europe or whatever. Um, mm. And now we've decided he's shit. We won't let him, we won't let him Cooper back. But it's not that. It's, it, I don't think these none of these players are terrible. It's just that mm. they're nowhere near the same standard as the collective that we faced on at the weekend, and that just goes back to cost of squad and wages and stuff. And it's amazing how give or take, uh, you know, the odd anomaly the league table normally reflects the spending on wages, doesn't it? We found mm. that in the Championship and it's true in the Premier League and the truth is we're down towards the bottom end in terms of expenditure. So um, where do you expect us to be? And in terms of um, Melier earning his money, if I'm uh, reading the statistics right, he, has attempt- he attempts more passes per 90 than Jack Harrison and Rodrigo. Yeah. On average, this season he has tried to play more passes per 90. He's been asked to make more passes per 90. Is that Melier? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, it's not only the fact that we let the opposition have like 10 shots at him a game. We also give him like a midfielder's work to do with his feet, which is kind of when his distribution troubles do happen. And we saw them happening in the first half. He then kind of, um, he, uh, he does have a pass completion overall higher than Robin Cock, higher than Rafinha this season, better than Rodrigo and Harrison of the kind of the regular first team players. So we do, we ask him to do a lot at a young age. And so if one goes in at his near post or he flaps at a corner once or twice, or he didn't even flap, he just couldn't make his mind up what to do, could he? Because it was, um, it was a, I'd hate to say it, but it was a good cross in, wasn't it? No. That always happens as well, but uh, it was a good cross to a big, massive headed beast. Mm. Um, and we leave lots of gaps for massive headed beasts to attack and we we? made it happen uh, the first time it's actually worked for them this season had to be on us didn't it just on Melier uh, I think like we saw that one was that in the first half that you're referring to Moscow where he just booted it into touch Uh, he aimed aimed for a wing I think Dan James had tucked inside actually alongside Rodrigo he played twice in the first half yeah I mean the problem is Melier can't win because people moan at him for putting the fullbacks under pressure which we've seen this season is when Mm. we concede possession more often than not so he started aiming his chips towards the wingers to put us in less danger. I mean, the other option is to boot it upfield straight up the middle or to start tippy-tapping it around at the back and putting us under pressure again. So sometimes it does just have to go, doesn't it? I mean, you, and I noticed this with um, some of the keepers. Like I think it's Alisson at Liverpool, who's absolutely brilliant goalkeeper. But I noticed him because I watched the, uh, I think it might be the Norwich game. I might have seen one in recent weeks around it. And sometimes he just puts his foot through it. I mean, he did get an assist putting his foot through it. <laughs> That's the, true, uh, yeah. Against Norwich, didn't he? Just, well... It was a very, very good pass, wasn't it? But um, as well, the other fact which a few people have uh, have kind of picked up on as well was the weather for Melier because he was trying to chip crosses to a wing and it was... Yeah, the swirling it wind. It was absolutely yeah. wild. Was, as you saw from with the Rodrigo goal, that's that's completely a wind-assisted a wind goal. And, um, no, it isn't. It, it picked out the far corner, did he? No, he mishit it. He I didn't think it. it was the wind. Uh, I don't know. I maybe. thought it was just a, a mishit. I, I didn't, it didn't knuckleball around or or swerve or anything like that. He no, just maybe not. Miss hit and De Gea was standing too far out and it found the one spot, but I wouldn't put it, put some, give Rodrigo the credit. It was a complete <laughs> miss. I was just saying, equally, if, if Rodrigo was a golfer, I would. I think he would have found the conditions favourable for that shot. That's probably the fairest thing to say. And um, the general atmosphere and, and the vibe of the game was picked out by a number of people and the weather, uh, as Pudsey Bod mentions, made it a fun game. 
Uh, and like we were saying, that the, the slides and things like mm-hmm. that when uh, Rodrigo went. Are the Cameron Sloan picking up on the fact that it should have been called off and replayed when Phillips was fit? Oh, which would enough. have been. I must admit, at half time, because the rain, it was one of those days where you think this is as much as it can possibly rain, mm. and then it would it just level up again. And, yeah. you'd be th- and it was like, Jesus Christ. And you had the, the obviously the waterfall in the northeast corner, which yeah. has been there for as long as I've been going to Ellen Road. They've never quite managed to get that bit of guttering sorted there. It always There's always a big deluge. There's all the people in the. I mean, where I was, I was, because I'm kind of two-thirds of the way back in the cop, I was nice and dry, but you can see all the, the lower east kind of all cowering and moving back as well, much I'm, as Well, I'm can. 10 rows from the back in the east. I'm, all, I'm almost under the overhang, and the rain was still getting me in the face. It was like swirling across, wasn't it? Like in a, in a circus, I probably, I probably had it worse than the people under the waterfall. I do hope when we rebuild the ground, um, assuming that happens, the 49ers decide to install a nice scenic waterfall somewhere mm. in that corner as a tribute to, tribute to that. Bit Did your little of, telly stay dry? It did, yeah. That was good. We haven't run with a little there. telly bell, have we? I didn't even say it. Moscow, <laughs> we did. <laughs> I did. Moscow gets his little telly, doesn't he, now in his posh seat. There, there we go. go. There we go. Posh. It's a, it's a I'm, I'm losing enthusiasm for the for the bell. Fair enough. Because it's a poor season. But um, yes, this is the reason why we got back into the Premier League, etc. On Phillips, actually, Paul Chambers picks out that we are really, really missing him. And that's what Bielsa said in the post-match, which hadn't happened or it was happening while we were recording the match ball. How crucial to the team the defensive midfield role is and ball recoveries in the midfield the big problem he's saying um, well their second goal when um, it's Lindelof just strolls through you kind of think Phillips might have sorted that out because he just he just walks through the midfield as midfield markers just go with their men and it just all it all seems to go wrong Phillips is very he's got a real good instinct for knowing when to he's very disciplined isn't he his position for knowing when yeah. to, to cut out danger and he seems to have a just a really good nose for it. He's like, no, it's I need, this, need, like this needs stopping. It's his natural position. And like he's good, he's good at it as well. It, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the first goal at Everton as well was crying out for him just to go out and like sweep Seamus Coleman's legs away. Just do something like that. We also said more about it this morning because we're recording just after his pre-Liverpool press conference. He said he wanted to explain it's not only Phillips, but we weren't able to count on Phillips, Cock or Pascal, who are the three players who take on that role of defensive mid to solidify the midfield. You don't resolve that with bringing signings in because uh, if not, we would have four players for that position. Imagine being able to count on Phillips, Cock and Pascal for that position. It's a privilege for a team to count on those options. Um, but at the same time, occasionally you get uh, situations like this. And strangely, the fourth player um, in contention is the best player in the second half in for sure. I mean, I would say the, the midfielder is the one who seems to do it <laughs> do the best job there, which I'm not sure is a massive shock rather than a converted centre-back. But, but Cock started well. He did all right, didn't he? Um, well, it, we'll come on to um, we'll deal with McTominay and the ref in Heroes and Villains as well. By the way, we're not we're not skirting over that. It's just that that's that's probably not worth talking about that all twice. Ooh, I got a little mark on my ankle. You deserved it. You absolutely deserved it. We've uh, not seen a, a, an updated picture of what's happened to Cox's head, have we? Because that must that can't look nice. No, poor bloody Cock. The chucking of stuff, I know we we did mention it very, very briefly, didn't we? Because Bielsa had said that he didn't see things had been thrown. But as we're aware, a golf ball was in among the uh, objects that made it from the south stand. Prob- Rodrigo brought that for yeah. his... For his t- he was testing the conditions yeah. Yeah, yeah, with his with his, uh, with his his driver. Could it have landed from the top of Beeston Hill? I remember mm. there was a thread on Waco years ago about whether or not someone could hit a golf ball from the top of Beeston Hill into Ellen Road. It, it, maybe someone tried it that day but yeah. was, the conditions were very windy golf balls sure it wasn't golf just balls. a big hailstone mm, mm. possibly mm. misidentified and uh, people will be annoyed at us now for making light of it because this it's not helpful the problem is right you can't tell lead fans what to do right It's not, and it's not in our gift to tell people what to do just point out this isn't really helpful is it no 
And and if you've and if particularly if you've got to the stage of taking a golf ball, I'm assuming you've not like come, just come from the driving range well, or something. You've, don't you've you, don't you make don't you make assumptions one. about? But the, if you've, I don't think we're going to talk someone out of putting a golf ball in their pocket to go to go to the football. I think by the time you've done that, you probably um, you've probably already made the decision. But what I will say is, eventually we'll probably going to get in some fairly serious bother for this because it's, it, it's multiple times this season now isn't it mm-hmm. um, and I think we were saying like you know that dickhead from Brentford who was going and goading the crowd we did say that, you know pose the question what do you expect to happen mm-hmm. when you stood in front of angry people deliberately trying to make them more angry admittedly we've, you've got to rise above it and it's part of the the cut and thrust isn't it of, of football is that as we were saying like across the last couple of weeks when it comes to singing songs about Tyrone Mings he would have been well within his rights when we were calling him fucking shit, mm-hmm. if he'd scored a header to you know, stand in front of our fans or whatever, and then you've given it back because that's part of what it's about, isn't it? So, so that's that's one thing. The other thing is taunting with no provocation. There was a little bit of that with Maguire's goal. I think the ref actually did have words with them, didn't they, around some of the goals. Mm. But then at the other end, they were like, they just ran across and celebrated in front of their fans. And I don't ever want to defend Man United or their fans for that matter because those bastards did throw a flare on. So let's get into the whataboutery as well. <laughs> But, you know, it's like, how far are we going to push this? Mm-hmm. It, it, surely there's a line at which somebody's got to say, we probably shouldn't do this. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's the original. Is like, don't throw missiles at players trying to hit them and hurt them. Yeah. Like, that's a very basic thing. But the, um, the other side of it is, you know, you've got 35,000 people there and how many people did throw things. It's not, it sometimes gets painted, in particularly if you read um, uh, What's-His-Face in the Daily Mail's write-up of the game. We made it sound as if, you know, it was 35,000 people all arrived with weapons and were um, fighting to get on the pitch and, mm-hmm. you know, cause full-scale disorder. If you were getting full-scale disorder in football grounds, generally 35,000 people all deciding to riot, I think you'd you'd notice it. What you get instead are these isolated incidents. You've got people dotted around and the comparison between that and, say, an average nightclub being kicked out on a Friday or Saturday night. I'm not sure that one is televised, one isn't. And one also advertises itself as generating this atmosphere. You can't, I mean, Sky and the Premier League have it both ways on this, where they say, well, you know, this is terrible that the things are being thrown on the pitch, but isn't this atmosphere incredible? And aren't they like, what? isn't it great to be here? And it's a throwback to the good old days of football before we packaged all that stuff up and realise that you can uh, sell it to a, a different audience. Mm. Um, the two things go together, and I think you can't sort of condemn one while celebrating mm. the other. Don't throw things, that's absolutely basic, but also don't pretend that football grounds are full of thousands upon thousands of people thirsting for riot. When, you know, you talk about the, the provocation of opposition players and the provocation of the entire event on Sunday and really nothing actually happened. Mm-hmm. You've got 35,000 people in, in one place, everybody being wound up to the absolute maximum. You talk about the, the release of stress and everybody's excitement and fervour and anger and frustration and joy and all that. And the results are, you're talking about a handful of stuff gets thrown and it's, in, it's actually an incredible amount of self-control when you, you are deliberately as part of the, the joy of football sort of trying to generate this atmosphere in the crowd so that everyone can say isn't this the best league in the world and everybody actually then just goes home it's not a clip I've included but listening to um, people at Stretford Paddock talk about the atmosphere and 
Um, it was they were in relation to the smoke bomb that came on from the Man United fans saying how that person will probably get a ban and everyone says how terrible it is. It says, but then all like newspapers and TV also then will use it in futures to sell the league as being look how great, look how yeah. exciting and wild all this is. Isn't this, isn't this all a brilliant part of the match? The atmosphere. It's like you you kind of don't get you don't get one without the other. And it was um, Barney Roney in the Guardian was saying it as well, saying how the game featured a lot of the things that kind of everyone bemoans in the English game and. It's it, obviously these are things you don't want to see. Is like, but everyone who was there kind of leans into the atmosphere, and it, it, I think he described it as exhilarating because he said it, and it, it was you picked up on like a there's, there is an excitement in like an air of violence. <laughs> there's, no, yeah. there's, there's no way, there's no two ways around yeah. it. It it kind of gets the blood pumping in a way that it's, it's a fight off light thing, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, it does. It get it kind of gets you going in a way that, and I say this as someone who has never had a fight in my life because I'm soft, but just being in the sort of presence of some madness going on is exciting but it's also imaginary because mm. there weren't fist fights in the, the ground there, you know the concourses aren't filled with people having running battles there was apparently a lot of people broke into the stick and twist on uh, well it's not even there anymore whatever the, the new weather spoons is on um, behind the Marion Centre that's one side of it but in the actual ground there are more fights outside nightclubs on a Friday than at a football at a Premier League football ground on a Saturday or a Sunday when Leeds are playing scum. So you are swept up by this atmosphere of um, violence, but there isn't any. There's I mean, none. There were also like 900 police there, which which probably does help to reduce the um, the amount of violence because I'm sure there would have been more. I mean, it was from where, from where we record this down to Ellen Road, there were like pairs of policemen stood roughly every 20 metres apart and they were, all, they were all Geordies from kind of walking past them and hearing them chat. So they'd obviously shipped a load in. Yeah, there were South Yorkshire police fans on Ellen Road. Notorious friends of, well. the fo- of the football fan, aren't they? Mm. South Yorkshire police. So yeah, the, it was a huge operation, I think. But it was, um, I mean, I, di- I didn't see any kind of coming together of fans anywhere, no. but I'm, I'm sure there were a few. There were, well, there were under 10 arrests, weren't there, I think, from, mm. from the reports. Yeah. But, um, no, right. that, they said there were 70 people without tickets in Leeds City Centre and there's videos of... of um, People chanting "United" in the Weatherspoons on uh, behind the Marion Centre. So there's kind of the, the that was their designated pub, I think, wasn't it as well? There's, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll take you away for it. There's, um, I'm not doubting you. I just didn't know, and <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So there's the extracurricular in town stuff, but the actual football stadium itself, which is where the attention is with the, the missiles being thrown, you know, you couldn't see 900 police in the stadium. It was mainly stewards, and you know that they're all down the tunnel. But there was not a huge, large-scale disorder or even at any point the threat of it. There was posturing and shouting and singing and uh, throwing of flares. And um, flares are kind of in the air for the fun of it when then golf balls aiming at people for no fun. That's not a fun thing to do. But not, you know, if you can control 35,000 people, then it's obviously not out of control. There's There wasn't... How many scum fans were there? 3,000. They didn't make an attempt at getting into the South Stand or anything. I was just messing about. So what we're saying is, no problem here, please move along. Well, keep it in its... Uh, yeah, get it proportionate. Keep yeah, it yeah. in proportion. And it's also, not Millwall Luton, is it? It's no. not like a rioting on the pitch. And also remember, and also that was 1985. That's what I mean. Um, I'm <laughs> sure when like they've played each other, they must have played each other this season or last season. Mm. But it's, nothing's still, happened. But I bet it's still policed like that fixture was happening in 1985 though. Yeah, exactly. And, I, was, um, I, was, I was reminded of Millwall on the way actually because there were so many police here and at the time when Millwall came I there must have been some incident down at, at Millwall but I remember Millwall once turned up more or less man-marked by police. I think they'd brought about 300 fans and they were like 
there were about 500, I think, outside the stadium. You think, what are you expecting? Well, yeah, and, and they walk they walked him along in, in like in a crocodile formation, like a school trip, surrounded by police. Like little, <laughs> Made them all hold hands with vests on. Yeah, flag bearer at the front. Anyway, so... Yeah. But ultimately, when remember that when the Premier League are advertising themselves to whatever audience they want to reach, it is not with footage of, you know, a family sitting down eating sandwiches at halftime, is it? It's that they tr- put their cameras on the stuff that goes on at games like you got at Elland Road, and that's what they then edit into all their adverts because that's what they... They, is most useful for them to sell but also don't do that <laughs> well we'll wrap up part one there because we've got quite a few names on the list to get through for various um, transgressions like I'm sure we, we will lay into Fernandez in due course mm-hmm. we do, we'll do heroes and villains over on uh, part three of the main weekly show anything to add then about the general sense of this one like you said it's, it's a weird, really weird mixed bag isn't it just to go back to where we started on this in that that 24 seconds for the two goals I'll remember that for years to come and assuming we do stay up this season, I think that's the sort of moment I'll remember Bielsa by, mm. you know, in, in five years' time or whatever. I, I certainly feel, which is weird considering we've lost to Man United, which is, let's be honest, the game I, I, I least want to lose in a season, Man United at home. But I feel much better after this than I did after the Everton game, mm-hmm. which, truthfully, losing away at Everton is like, yeah, you know, whatever. We we kind of, I feel like we, we're more or less friends with Everton as much as, you're, as much as you're friends with anyone in the Premier League we're kind of there's not there's a bit of mutual respect there probably they all seem alright they're another club that kind of underachieve year after year in the, in the same way as we we seem to do so yeah there's not any any real rivalry there other than the Lampard thing but I felt gutted after that because I was just like well because that, what, that was, what, what happens next well that's about expectation and the game felt truly important whereas everybody went into the one on Sunday thinking well we probably won't win we didn't win, so, you know, it, it's no net loss, is mm-hmm. it? Yeah, it's really difficult to actually find, to think of a way of beating Scum and Liverpool and City because there's obviously this inspired, especially with the, the set-piece stuff, lots of criticism of kind of Bielsa's tactics and should we be playing man-to-man against a, a team as, as good as this? But then what is the plan that works? Like, obviously, man-to-man gives you a slim chance of beating those teams, but I cannot think of another plan that gives you better than a slim chance of beating teams at this level. Burnley, we know they just turn up at Man City every year, take their 4-0 beating and go home again. And they're probably the other example, but, oh, you know, keep it tight and, you know, defend well, try and stay in the game for as long as possible. And that's the Burnley way and it doesn't work. And then we do our man-to-man thing, attack them all, all over the pitch. And in the end, that doesn't work. It did. If we didn't, the four, the foreshore on Fernandez, leaving him crying, and then the quick cross to Rafinha. That goal doesn't get scored if Adam Foreshore is sitting in front of the back four, no. um, trying to defend and keep everything tight. And we're going to go for a, a nil-nil. It's absolutely tied to our identity with Marcelo Bielsa. Is that we score goals like that? That even when we're behind in the game, we have that potential to to steal the ball. Even the um, the one we ended up losing the third goal to, where it's. Dan James chases Anwan Basaka into the middle of the pitch, has a go at him, Forshaw comes, finishes him off, Furpo goes flying into a tackle and then we're off. And it's Furpo and it's Joffe. It's James who takes the ball forward, he gives it to Joffe, Furpo crosses it, and then it's Dan James who's just been back there tackling Basaka, he's up the other end, fluffs the header, and then we win the ball back, we're still in their half, the pass to Furpo, and he loses possession and he's absolutely fucked. He cannot get back, but we were so close to winning it with that, moment and then we lose it it's fine margins isn't it this is football but then what's the yeah. other option is we don't bother doing any of that 
and then we lose anyway. But then I think, well, I agree with you, and that's the, what I was getting at on the match ball when I said we've seen the best and the worst of, of Bielsa today in that I don't think we necessarily score those two goals without Bielsa's football, which is obviously what you just said. But on the other hand, it did leave us wide open. That is, that is the paradox within it, isn't it? That's the, the style of play. But I guess you can mitigate, though, against the corner, the headed corner. Mm. We've been porous and weak on corners for, well, pretty much the whole time Bielsa's been here, you could argue. And they've done nothing to address that. So that's what you want to do. You want to see him give give us give ourselves the best possible chance, I guess is the phrase I'm looking for, where you maybe think, well, Pascal Strout's massive and he wins most of his headers. So why is he outside the area marking McTominay? Let's, let's box a little smarter with stuff like this. And maybe that's where we need to evolve is pick your moments to stick absolutely rigidly to a system that, you know, that part of the system, for example, the headed corners is proven to be really, really weak and Bielsa is hugely data-driven. So look at the data. Strack outside the box is maybe something that comes from Liam Cooper not being available. Maybe Cooper says, just organising it on the pitch, says, well, obviously, Pascal, get back in here. Right. You're good at winning headers. (laughs) Just something as simple as that. It's it's there because it changed as well. And um, so it feels like it wasn't, it was quickly spotted as it's not working because they scored from it. But yeah, I think um, Liam Cooper's organisation, um, because when you, it's a cliche about the European style of football, but Diego Llorente was not defending corners like that in Spain. There weren't Harry Maguire's running at him. So having him as the senior defender managing people in a, a defensive situation for a set piece just isn't what he spent the last um, 10 years of his professional career doing, whereas Liam Cooper is absolutely, you know, his Chesterfield life was just obsessed, would have been obsessed but, but about But don't, uh, don't we demand better from it? If this is the top league in the world and, and we're in the in the elite, do we not demand better from the people who are organising this, the coaches and the tactics? Do we not say, that's not quite good enough, that you shouldn't identify the really obvious big slab head there as the guy who's most likely to cause you danger? That Surely that's, that's it, it's obvious to me. Mm. You no, know, I, I didn't spot it at the time because I wasn't looking at who was picking up who because you get caught up in the game, but surely. Well, you went to Mark Maguire is is perfectly fair enough. He's, He's a central defender. He's one of our biggest players. It does kind of make sense. He just made a horrible, horrible mess of it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not like they didn't know. Mm. It just didn't work. So that's, you know, whatever. Just make it work for the rest of the season. That would be, be better. better. Yeah. Be better at things. Okay, fair enough. Well, we will wrap up part one there, part two on the way, where we will uh, we'll find out what they thought and what's going. Have we got some wider world of propaganda? Because that, to me, feels important. A few little bits. Yeah. You're not, I, don't, I don't sense you're very, very enthusiastic about it this week, Mike. <laughs> it's just a lot of mank. We've not been winning too many games, obviously. It's, no, been, it's been harder this season. It is tough when you don't win. But never mind. Think how sweet it'd have been as well if the developers had been moaning about it. But no, they were generally pretty happy by well, the end anyway. Maybe next season, eh? Mm. Cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And part two sees us now dive, yes, into the Man United reaction via their fan channels. Let's get the pain out of the way, Michael. What do we have today? Well, I've mainly gone quite mank on this rather than the kind of internet idiot bitch Root, yeah. um, whatever that guy's name was. For, just in case anybody hasn't seen that episode. <laughs> yes, idiot it's bitch, a, man, it's a man who calls someone the referee an yes. idiot bitch. Yeah, you're not being a horrible misogynist. No, not you, on camera, you normally do it off camera. Of, of yeah, course, yeah. yeah. You yeah. need to find some way of emphasising the quote marks around that. <laughs> do, do air quotes there, audio yes. air quotes. He, was it the ref or was it, was it a, a Middlesbrough player who was an idiot bitch? I can't remember. He, you I, just was, really love saying it, don't you? I do, yeah. And Anthony Taylor was a bald shit, was the other thing he said. You can you can't get the same mileage out of that, can you? No, it's a shame. No, that was one, that was one of the international fan channels. But we've we've gone heavily mank. That's great because it's such it's such an easy to listen to accent. I find. <laughs> but first, I've gone. I have got a little bit of um of, of internet fan first. Alice talks football just because this is the our equaliser going in, and I just like her general tone of um mum. It leads a score. And it's not fair. Someone needs to disallow it. And also um doing that thing that we've picked up on before where people are doing a live stream and when they've got nothing else to say, they just say the same thing multiple times. Hmm. And when people have got nothing to say, they just say the same thing. They just say the same thing. Multiple times. Multiple times they'll say the same thing. Over and over. Over and over, say the same thing. Just keep saying it. Should we stop this joke now? Okay. It's not even a joke, is it? What is going on here? Get us away. Foul! Foul! Oh my God. I swear, I swear, if we bottle a 2-0 lead in two minutes... No! You're joking! You joke! No! Piss off! We've not! We've not done that! Two minutes! We were turning it up! What the hell? What? Nah, please say that's a foul! How have we bottled a 2 0 lead within seven minutes of the second half? We're seven minutes into the second half! It's 2 0 to 2 2! What is going on? What? It, no! Oh my god! And it's Daniel James with an assist. It's a Daniel James assist. It's a Daniel James assist. Please, VAR, please. That's a please say it's a foul on Bruno. I mean, it's not a foul on Bruno. VAR's not going to rule this out. It's not a foul. I mean, you promised Mank. That wasn't Mank. That was no, that was that was a Southerner. That was the exception. A Southerner, which is most of the United fans. We're Mank from from here on out. Great. Yeah, she seemed to take the foul on Bruno Fernandez better than he did. She doesn't even <laughs> sound like she means it. Well, I, I think it's the disappointment, especially. I think what you're hearing there is the um, is somebody who is tired of Bruno Fernandez's shit. Mm. Generally, like first of all, you think, oh, maybe maybe that is a foul, and then you see the replay, and oh, for God's sake! Yeah. I, did I watched. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I did see a funny tweet this morning. Um, it was somebody quote tweeting, uh, and, I, and forgive me because I didn't spot his name. It was, but who do you want to see Kel Brook fight next? The boxer you know fought Amir Khan. <laughs> on the weekend and the quote tweeted saying Bruno Fernandes who <laughs> would last about 30 seconds in the ring wouldn't he? Did, which uh, part of his body would he be clutching first? I was looking through the picture library that we use for the website and there's so many photos of Fernandes and the, his mate just lying on the floor and in the air looking Which mate? Because I know you like him I mean they're all What shirt number was he wearing? Horrible 
Well, that's his brand as well, isn't it? The, oh, right. Yeah. Okay. You're talking about that one. That's, that's, let's just describe him factually rather than with any subjective opinions about things he may or may Well, I mean, done. if we want to go through the, the, the fact somebody who's got a lot of spare cash to spend on maintaining his reputation, perhaps through uh, brand endorsements. And charity work. Mean charity yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. All that good it's stuff. Charity found, foundation. And then somebody uh, tickles his ankle and he goes down looking as if he'll never play again. And when you got the... It's annoying in the game, but then when you you know you're just trying to find a picture of a Leeds player crying or something, and all you can see is that and the 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 pain. When you see the pain etched on, for example, Bruno Fernandez's face when he's on the floor, it's captured in a photograph, the level of acting mm. is just incredible because it doesn't hurt, and it's you know people take bigger hits in other sports and do not do that, and. So for it to be happening in football, it's not that they are so much more fragile than the average athlete. It's that they are acting. Can I just ask Mike actually on this? What's the worst thing you wished upon Bruno Fernandes, either within your head or out loud on Sunday? And are you willing to commit it to this recording? I think as a minimum, maybe like a, a broken ankle or something. But yeah. ideally I want him... Genuine pain. Mm. Some, you, you want him to experience genuine pain because a lot of people do in their day-to-day lives who don't deserve it. And he pretends it's happening to him, and none of it's happening to him. So let's see, put him in a a, a hovel somewhere and make him <laughs> fight to eat. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was at the upper end, Michael? Or are you not willing to commit um, that to let's, him? Let's just you know wh- whatever anything yeah. goes. I think with with Fernandez, but it's it's the arm in the air as he goes down as well. It's that as if like he's calling for an air ambulance immediately. <laughs> Moscow, like, you, de- you described it as a drowning swimmer, yeah, didn't you? Just, drowning, yeah. You just see the, the little hand as oh going down. Someone needs to deal with me immediately. And then yeah. you you see the foot. This is where I, I think VR could have a positive influence is to go back and even if someone hasn't dived, if there's been some contact, but that someone on VR can go, yeah, but he's not hurt, has it? It would be just, such... Just, give him, just book him for diving because it is still a dive. If you're going down pretending to be hurt when you were clearly not hurt at all. And also, if you are... I'd say the cases are probably few and far between where someone is genuinely hurt and rolls around with their arms waving in the air. Generally speaking, you get someone injured. Like Robin Cock went down injured mm. and just held his head and went, oh, there's a lot of blood gushing out of me and I'm going to lay still until someone, a medical person comes and deals with this. I mean, blood blood pissing out of your head is normally a good indicator of an injury. And, and, and it's mm. the same when people break ankles or whatever, they lay Harvey still. Elliot was a trooper, wasn't he? You, mm. you could tell that something had, had gone badly wrong because he was just lying there and everybody was immediately concerned. I mean, right, I mean, ahead of the Liverpool game, you've got to give credit to uh, Jurgen Klopp for being both a doctor and a referee at the same mm. time. But the um, humanitarian as well. Mm. You're right. There would be such a huge positive cultural shift in football if they started punishing players for acting. Mm. If they were saying, "We we can see on this video footage the way you've gone down, that there was no contact, that you're putting it on, and you will be booked and punished." But it all fits into the feeling that players like Fernandez and Ronaldo have that they are basically untouchable. Nothing they can do in any aspect of their lives will ever have any uh, negative impact on them whatsoever. I appreciate the word. And, and it falls, and it, it comes down to this as well. Can you imagine being the referee who gets the call and says, right, yeah, Ronaldo's totally putting that on, give him a yellow card. The, the disrespect that you are showing to the player in that situation... The brand. ...would be, well, yeah, would be just so... Um, just a complete shift of balance because it should be. The referee should show disrespect to the players and the players should, should show respect to the referee. But instead, it is... It's a constant gaming of the system, isn't it? It's completely disrespectful to a referee to think that if you go down pretending to be hurt, then they'll give you a free kick and a yellow card and do all the stuff that you want to do. And if you just 
switch that around and just watch these people crumble. I would just love to see every aspect you of know, um, Ronaldo's kind of confident How dare you do this? How dare yeah. you do this to me, to my bulletproof exterior? You know, exactly. I, was, I was just going to say, um, you know, we've spoken before about my dad leaving early, like occasionally he'll leave like 70 minutes or whatever because he hates it. This is part of it. It's falling out of love with football because of shit like this. Mm. And I get it as well because I see that and it just, and it just that, that little part of you inside just dies and you think, oh, just fuck off. You've, <laughs> you've just ruined everything. And I know people have the cheating crept into the game sort of in the early to mid 90s, didn't it? When the regulations got slightly tighter and softer. 70s, like Franny Lee had no problems, did he? No, but they used to just sort of they'd kick lumps out of each other because you didn't have VAR. As, yeah. as, someone's, as soon as someone's back was turned, there was kind of a, I don't know, a law of the jungle on the pitch, wasn't it? You kind of, you got me, I'll get you back. And we all shake hands afterwards. But it just seems to have been amplified so high. And then the analysis of the refereeing decision is so great afterwards that, like I said, gamifying the system, that's what it feels going, like they're all trying to do now. Going back over the the games you have for Matchball 30, there's a, a massive culture in that era, which is probably equally toxic in its own way, of pretending not to be hurt. Like people get absolutely like chopped, chopped down from behind and they get elbows to the face and they jump straight back up and they're like, well, come on then, I'm going to get you next time. And it's equally that was probably not really on. Like some of the some of the tackle and stuff that go in, like through modern eyes, you do look at me and you think like, Jesus, he could have broken his, like both of his legs there with some with some of this stuff. But there's a there's it's a much more I guess it's a, a more macho side to it in those days. It was like it was like, well, you've done that now, but in a minute it'll be your turn. And it'll, be a, it'll be a combination of macho-ness, I guess, but also just of how much it does or doesn't hurt. Like Gordon Strachan is one of the ones who stands out, who gets you know kicked all over the place and makes a point of just, you know, I am five foot six, but I will just get up and, and carry on playing. But if he was actually, you know, so badly wounded, he couldn't, mm. he wouldn't, you know, there were, there were times you would see Strachan stay down and he's, all right, that has actually hurt him. It's just got to the point now where things that just do not hurt <laughs> are being treated as if they are life-ending mm. uh, or life-changing injuries. Um, whereas the, you know, it, I don't think it's necessarily macho if you are playing a sport to say well a bruise is a bruise and you know can I am I just going to walk away from that can I walk away from it if I can walk away from it I will if I limp a bit then what do I need to do do I need to go down crying or do I just go oh I just need to shake that off it's so I don't and, know. And it's, and it's, it's so true what you say because it used to be the case that if somebody stayed down you're like oh right he is hurt and you knew like instinctively as a as a crab, maybe like, you know, like Pontus Janssen. Every time he, when he went down twice every game, you think, oh, oh maybe he's hurt. Oh no, he's not. <laughs> but um, it's just kind of it's like obfuscated the the real injuries, hasn't it? And then when you look at like the concussion stuff that's blown up around Robin Cock and all that, trying to follow protocols and the complications around all that, it's like so that's why people like Fernandez should be punished and just Fernandez. Throw him out of the game, ban for life. <laughs> Throw him out of a moving car, an option as well. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would smart a bit, I think. Shall we go back to the clips? I've got yeah, I've completely forgot we're doing propaganda. Um Stretford Paddock, who are um though the two blokes of uh, around our kind of age. There's the, the long long haired one is a 25. bit younger. Yeah, That's you, the one. You beat me to it, yeah. The one who looks a bit like Oli Decor, um, he's certainly kind of around our age, he's about about forty ish. So he's he'll have a similar Don't ruin the mystique. He'll have a similar sort of um frame of reference to us, I think. But um This is where we'll get loads of like People saying, oh, I thought you were all older. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the youngest as well. Yeah. Um, but also the, well, the, only, the, the young, oldest. The youngest in body, but not in mind. I would Your mind mm. is, is that of like a 55-year-old, 65-year-old man, I think. Mm. Like you got your giant heated slipper. Because I said to you, didn't I, when you came back in here after the game, because it was so wet and cold. Like, not cold, but it was 
it was soul sappingly wet out and I said have you brought your big heated slipper it's like it's an omni slipper we've said before yeah, it's, 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 it's a single yeah. slipper that you can just put your feet into isn't it mm, like a big it's so nice like a big boot get cold feet and if, if you can solve a problem easily with a with a, a product just do it don't mm-hmm. feel don't feel shamed I'm yeah. not I'm not gonna I, c- I can tell you don't feel shame anymore That's... it's like when with, on, the, on the weekend for the, the young lads selling the mag they all turned up wearing coats that could be described as fashionable not me I had a big I had a big old man's waterproof on because it's <laughs> raining and I'm not I don't want to get wet I had like walking boots on and a, and a proper a proper coat she's a lucky stop woman stop short of the waterproof trousers she's a but... lucky woman it's a no valentine's card <laughs> <laughs> and you, dre- you dress like a pensioner <laughs> great yeah, fair enough. <laughs> anyway, back to Stretford Paddock. She's so lucky. It's enough of me being assassinated by Dan. <laughs> it was interesting to hear them talk because this was this was something we said about the game last year, the nil-nil Ellen Road. How there was not, there's just no real Leeds Man United vibe to it. It felt like it didn't matter, and just contrasting it with the with the way this one went. Leeds versus Manchester United. It's a duck here with a super chat. Thank you. Says good old Leeds. Just when I was beginning to have a bit of a liking towards them, the fans show their true colours, and I snap back to reality. Same old scummy Leeds and. This game to me had the feeling of a rivalry on yeah. the pitch, off the pitch. Obviously, the coins and all that shit is too far, and you know whatever. But it felt like we're playing against a team we don't like, and they don't like us. Yeah. And it felt that like on the pitch, and it it felt good that there was that extra energy to it, didn't it? Do you know what you hit the nail on the head when you said the most boring game ever? And I think it was behind closed doors. Yeah, it was. was. And it didn't feel like United versus Leeds. There wasn't a crowd there. There wasn't anything going there. It was just like, there, was, there wasn't even any dirty, there was a couple of challenges, but nothing where it was like, it was all kicking off. Yeah. Today, obviously the crowd are massively up for it. The, the, it's a, it is a powder keg when you go to Ellen Road. Mm. It's, it's, it's nothing like it. And, you know, you can feel that. They get those goals as well. The crowd are absolutely buzzing. Powder keg. That's a good, good turn of phrase. I wish I thought of that myself. But there's, you know, I ended up sort of not minding him. Watching yeah. this, I don't, I'm, that, that what you just said there is what you were saying before, Moscow, like about cranky, yeah, cranking the atmosphere. I don't know why we have to listen to some <laughs> people with horrible accents just repeating what I said more beautifully. <laughs> you don't like it when I say it, but oh, listen to these lads from Manchester. Here, we, the, here, here he goes. Be better. Here he they goes might, again. They might have you Moscow on. just talks nonsense, but if you give him a mank accent, oh, oh, that's some good points. Well made. Well, listen, it's just powder a, keg. It's just <laughs> a, a powder keg. It's just a surprise to hear them expressing good opinions. Is the thing. And there was, I mean, there was there was the <laughs> I've left out some of the worst of the gloating because there was some of that. Of course, there is. Yeah, fine. Is that um, you, you just listen to that when you're going to sleep? Moscow. Just we r- know. Rock that, yourself to bed. We know to there some is scum fans slagging us off. Only one United fan on this podcast, and you're trying very much to detract from the fact that it is you. Let's just say very very clearly that you used the word United there in reference to Man United because of because him. Of it's, him. A running, it's a running joke. Yeah, nah, so keep your comments to yourself. We don't, nah, need, nah, nah. We, don't we don't need your letters. We we understand. It's a, it's pretend. It's a joke. Right, go on. Clip. So they're talking about uh, just about rivalry and about, about United. About, again, something I think Moscow's touched on before. Of, of basically <laughs> saying that when you win a game you want to win, be a dick about it. It's fine. You can't revel in this too much. You can't go no. old TT. We have had such an awful season. Yeah, been There's shit. been horrible things to watch this season. Getting battered off the Scousers, losing at City. Getting the, battered by Leicester and Watford. Leicester and Watford. Watching yeah. Ollie, who a lot of us love, get sacked yeah. and get just going through the mill. It's been awful. Watching City go on these record-breaking runs. The Scousers dicking everyone. Yeah. It's not been nice as United fans. So when you get games against your arch-rivals where you batter them, revel in it. Yeah. Be that guy. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy it. This is what football's all about, yeah. enjoying these sorts of games. Did he not say at the start of that, don't revel in it too much, but then do it? He said you can't revel in it too much. I think you're saying like you can't. There's no limits to how much revelling you can do. But um, what's what's this sudden... Oh, that's bad about what what, what we did to Ollie, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it terrible? Oh, we've had to suffer through the way we chased him out the club. 
What the? You can't. Where's, where's this come from? They, they're they, now the big suffered. Oli Solskjaer fan club because all that's happened since is they've just kept on winning games they and suffered. got to fourth and it's terrible. <laughs> they suffered his sacking more than he did. That's what it bloody sounds like and they're the ones who made it happen. <laughs> he left in tears. I mean, I hate him. I have more sympathy for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer than these people. Their, their main beef seems to be we're not as good as these handful of teams above us. That's mm. the main beef. Well, and, it's because they've had... This is, what, this is what football does to you. It sends you all mental, doesn't it? I realise this. Nobody in football is happy at all. No. I was, I, ch- I was chatting to a Newcastle fan over the weekend and, he, and we were we landed on common ground in that we're both kind of just looking forward to this season being over. Obviously, if they get to the summer window, they're going to have money to spend. So it's going to be a lot better than previous years for them. Obviously, you know, from a rivalry point of view, we'd love them all to go down, but they'll end up just coming back up and doing the same anyway, so whatever. But we kind of concluded nobody in football's happy. Mm. Like he said, it'd be nice to be like Arsenal and be sort of bobbing around the top six every year and know that you're in no danger of going down. And I said to him, but Arsenal fans are not happy. No, not at all. They hate it. I think the thing is with with those two who are talking there, they're they're between like maybe late 20s to early 40s. So they've just grown up with Scum winning the league every year, every other year, FA Cup every other year. Champions League once or twice. It's it's what you're used to, I suppose, yeah, isn't yeah. it? And now and now it's I, I can see that it's probably quite um quite galling to have Man City and Liverpool being by far the best teams in the country, but funny. Yeah, it is funny, yeah. Compared well, when it's not them, yeah. Anyway, we've had enough um positive stuff about them there. So but good to hear them describing us as arch rivals still. Yeah. And I, I want them to be unhappy. That's the important we should go on record and say that. We want them to be yeah. unhappy. Uh, well let's listen to them being unhappy as okay. our as our goals go in during their uh, their live watch we'll always have this minute won't we keeper keeper it's in they've scored David fucking that's Seaman awful that from De Gea oh my god what is he doing there from a fucking cross we'll just let him back in there just, that's not good enough by yeah. David De Gea for me Jesse sort of loses it basically and then he cro- it is a cross this it is a cross shit you can cross. see him looking up for the cross De Gea's oh caught off his line god. and he's got to save that for me it's a shit cross and all Fucking pure luck in it. Yeah, he gets his angles a bit wrong now. De Gea leads right back in it now. And this crowd will be buzzing. Ugh. I don't like digging out players, man, but Jesse's not done anything in the first half and he loses it for the second in the and second half like for the goal. Firing at us, yeah. Man. And it's like Oh, there's a foul ref. Come on, ref! Oh, referee, hell. seriously. He's doing this thing now where oh it's fucking you know, he gotta be faster than that. What did you expect? He's just fucking booted him to win the ball. And off they've got an equalizer. That's a fucking foul, no. ref. I can't believe that. You Two just, all you, in the space you could just of a see minute. It coming, couldn't you? You could just fucking see it coming. Absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely how embarrassing. Has, how has this just happened? Because we're shit. Oh my god. And we fucking shit ourselves. We do it every single game. There's a spell <laughs> where the opposition has the ball, and we go, "Fuck, fuck if we know." I mean, I know we kind of we isolate these clips and you take them out of context. And it's like those moments, like you know, when we when we're two nil down, we we would have been in the ground going, "Oh god, we're just shit." This again. <laughs> this is another Amarin. And then you know, within half an hour, we've made it. To all, mm. like this is amazing. <laughs> I mean, they—I've not put the clips in because it's, it's unbearable. But they were really pleased that they'd let us get back to two all and then gone on to win because that's the nature of it, isn't it? When you get to when you, there's there's nothing quite like the feeling of being able to have a go at some people who just had a go at you for something like with, with, that's, that's why games that swing back and forth are so good because you get that thing where you you get to take the lead and go ah, then they they equalise and go ah, and then you score again and it's that the back and forth is perfect. Is perfectly what I meant when I said I enjoyed the VAR thing on Sunday because it gave us a second chance to stick the fingers up at the away end. Exactly that reason. I would have been happy with just once. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, because then you you ride the wave, don't you? But to be able to do it twice does feel like a treat because mm. you can scream the same obscenities over and over again, can't you? Then uh, you've and you've kind of you've been down in the little oh, well, They're going to rule this out. You've gone through that 
cycle of uh, denial and grief all again, and then you get the joy again. Mm-hmm. I think the foul he was mainly upset about there was actually the the first tackle, which again was definitely not a foul. And again, a player laying down pretending to be injured mm-hmm. when I don't think he he got particularly touched then either. No. They did, in fairness, reflect on, on the replay and go, oh, Bruno, what are you doing? Yeah, and I think on the, uh, the VAR thing, I mean, it's Fernandez's fault that that VAR check mm. had to happen, so it's another thing that he should have been um, disciplined for. But then also, you can ring the little bell. Uh, the little bell telly? Telly bell. Ring the telly for the little bell. Yep. Um, because I did have the advantage of seeing uh, a replay of the tackle while, before the VAR check even started. So I knew that it was either going to be goal given or like a grave um, stadium burning injustice was do, about to happen. Do you do that thing? You know, when you, so you've got the advanced knowledge there that the rest of the stadium doesn't have. So you can sit there with a certain degree of confidence and go, "I know that's going to be fine." Do you kind of want to tell people around you, like, go, "No, it's fine. Don't worry, everybody. It's fine." I it's like I don't think I would have watched that with a degree of confidence though, because it's really weird as VAR the way it's used. If you slow it down enough, you could probably. Find, find something yeah. in it or you'll say even if he did get the ball maybe the force he went in with was excessive so it should still be a free kick or, you know there's, yeah. they, oh. find, they find stuff that doesn't exist that's so what often. I mean about like there was the option for a real injustice mm. could have happened so I, that, I would have been angry about that but the, the temptation to tell people generally one of the advantages I have in the press area is it's, it's just a bench and a table with some little tables on so I watch the games like this caviar and stuff yeah yeah this is no good for um, people no good for people listening, but I'm just leaning with my elbows on the table and my head in my hands. You'll um, see, you can see that very vividly on the video version. And when Leeds yeah. concede, and when Leeds score, <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know whether... How do you find it being emotionally walled off? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, you I may need your therapist's number at some point to kind of go through this, but that is generally how, it's, um, how it is these days. It's... Uh, it is what it is. So I wasn't, um, no, I was just watching it and then watching the game in front of me. So I saw it on the telly, like, that's not a foul. And then waiting for whatever's going to happen to happen and watching as it unfolded was kind of where I was at and just kind of leave everybody. Nobody needs to fucking... Just, I don't, I don't, no canapes at the moment, thank you. Nobody needs to be hearing my voice. They're all doing their own things. So I'm I'm not the ones going, you know smacking somebody going look at that it's like they're, they're already doing it so they'll leave them I meant more from a, pers- from a perspective of trying to tell everyone it's going to be alright don't worry it's, it's probably fine it's They'll probably fine, fine. Okay. they don't need me getting in their, in their way they're having a nice afternoon also I think I feel like if you'd have been trying to interrupt someone around me go excuse me excuse me <laughs> excuse me excuse me Look, see, I think the goal I think the, I think I think the goal's going to be given it, you, you can celebrate you'll, you'll find out you'll find out in a you minute know, honestly it's going to be alright <laughs> You carry on doing what you're doing. <laughs> oh, you're, oh, you're throwing darts at the footballers. Oh, great. Right, next one. It's your mate. Oh. Your best mate. Mitz. Mitz. Yeah. yeah. Andy Mitz. The gay dog. United We Stand. He's on the coaches at this point, and he's speaking to people who are, they're trying very desperately not to say we're the best fans in the league um, <laughs> and, and str- almost struggling. Just on my best mate, the reason why it's been referred to is because um, Phil Hay did an article where he spoke to both me and Andy Mitten just in the run-up to the game about, you know, historical uh, matches between the two, the rivalry and stuff like that. I had one person who's probably what, half my age tweet me suggesting I'd lost my identity for having the temerity to go on a Zoom call with Andy Mitten and Phil Hay. It's like, if Phil Hay says to me, can you just pop on a Zoom call this morning? I'll be like, yeah, fine. Oh, no, you've got to ask, who is it, who is yeah, it with? It's Mitten, no. And if it's no, with... I'm, 
you know, Saddam Hussein, you say, well, yeah, maybe we can find some common ground. It's Vladimir Putin. Oh, no no problem. How are you you finding the Moscow white name at the minute? Well, it's, yeah, it's becoming, um, this is not a new thought because (laughs) this is not the first time this whole whole thing has been going on. Kiev white, would that? I mean, as a gesture of support, perhaps, but I think it maybe would attract (laughs) attention on Twitter, wouldn't it, that... Um, even more so <laughs> could put a little blue and yellow flag as well in your uh, in your handle I think I can't remember who it was but somebody once years ago changed it to Moo Cow White I don't know if maybe a word a, a move to Moo Cow I think I've said that to you before actually I, um, when I, I typed it in my phone it's auto-corrected to like Moo Cow or something like yeah, that yeah Moo Cow is, is pretty good I mean the, people always ask why this is just I thought I was clever when I was about 18 signing up the square ball for him with, um, uh, because everyone's you know Barnsley White or in, you know, Manchester White to sort of de- declare where they're from. And I was like, well, nobody will be from uh, Moscow, will they? So, uh, <laughs> including me. and it, Including <laughs> me. And um, it's a pun on Muscovite as well. And I was I was born um, around the time of the start of the Moscow Olympics. So uh, I used to have a bag that reflected that. <laughs> so it all kind of... Um, your support it's ob- it's the, obvious, really. The support for the Soviet Union. It all sort of... Uh, tied together. Well, there's very cute bears. Are you, a fan, of, the, um, are you a fan of imperialism? Which kind? Uh, Soviet imperialism. I mean, they're all they're all different uh, stripes of the same feathers from the same bird, aren't they? It's mm. not a good bird. <laughs> the imperialist bird. <laughs> aren't we uh, supposed to be criticising Andy Mitten yeah, no, at was, this point? Just who, to go back to what I was saying. When you talked like, about the world's uh, greatest tyrants. Somebody suggested I'd lost my identity. Like, this is yeah. half my age. I've I've forgotten more Man United games than he's been to, and he's telling me I've forgotten. I've, I've lost my identity for uh, for having to spoke spoke to somebody because Phil Hay asked me to. <laughs> if Phil Hay asked you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? If Andy Mitten was doing it with him, yeah, yeah we'd hold hands, couldn't we? <laughs> right, here we go. What do you think of the atmosphere? It was great. It was really good. It was chaotic, especially after the second at the start of the second half. We bottled it effectively, so it was a bit chaotic. Then we slowly got back into it, and it was good and bouncing. Do you see the difference of the the passion of the Leeds fans and the passion, say, uh, Brentford fans? By far, in my opinion, the best fans. After all, the best fans in the league. Bar Wolves, I thought Wolves were quite good. Yeah. Let's let's clarify: best is Leeds. We don't like Leeds. No, no, you mean best, best is the best atmosphere. Well, we know they've got a good away. They've got yeah. a, they've got a solid yeah. away support. I mean, they take yeah. everywhere. They're always quite lively. I'd, I'd love to know whether they're like that uh, for Brentford home, or whether that's just where we're here. I'd imagine it's exaggerated because yeah. we're here. But certainly, when you look when you go to places like Fulham and Brentford, and then you come to somewhere like Leeds, even Liverpool's off the boil, isn't it? Compared to that, oh, Leeds, Liverpool's nothing. Now. Liverpool's sanitised, so city. And you go there and literally you're sanitised where he's here, you know, you could feel the edge as soon as you, as soon as you got off the coach. Oh, literally sanitised, sprayed down <laughs> as you're going in. Do you think... Um, there was a commentator actually over the, was it was it the Sunday game after us? It might not have been, I don't know if I caught it or not. Either way, it was a, a game in the last few days and the commentator said, he's literally run himself into the ground there. <laughs> Oh, he hasn't. Like a, like a mole. Yeah. <laughs> He's like created a big trench in the middle of the pitch. The groundsman's going, what are you doing? We if spent it, two million quid on that pitch. Why, if anyone could, Dan James why, could. Why are you burrowing into the pitch? He hasn't literally run himself into the ground. No, he hasn't. But I enjoyed the hasty yeah. downgrading of our, us from being the best fans to best other than them. Um, and also the away, away support was quickly downgraded from good to solid. I'm, I'm going to go as far as to say if you haven't um, read the thing with me and Mitten on The Athletic. I won't read it. Nah, it's, you, it's, you don't have to, but I, I, got, I, mean, the the impression, I got the impression he really likes us. I think he's a closet United fan, as in Leeds United. He tries to, uh, he was trying to, some of it seemed a bit weird because he was talking about um, 
he's mates with Diego Flores, our former assistant manager to Bielsa, and he wrote the the thing about him because he, he randomly knew him before he was uh, before we moved to Leeds, and he was saying that. Um, uh, Diego Flores was like, oh, you should take me to Manchester one day. I'd love to see the city. And he was saying, oh, no, I don't think that would be a good idea for Leeds assistant manager. Who the hell in Manchester City Centre? I mean, the problems Manchester City Centre has is not with people who are likely to be angry at the presence of Leeds United's assistant manager. Diego Flores could wander around Leeds and not many people really would pick him out of a lineup. He's, he, he's not a, a high-profile Oh no, Manchester City Centre! You can't, you can't be working for Leeds and go there. Oh no, it's, it just it. <laughs> just go to like the uh, the Northern Quarter is very nice. Thomas Street is no longer the uh, slum it was when I had to pass through it in my youth. Canal Street notoriously unfriendly. The whole the whole city <laughs> is you know it has its um its pleasant uh, aspects for people seeking a day out. <laughs> Take Diego to a bar, show him. The science museum. Piccadilly uh football museums though, isn't it? Yeah. Show them the big wall in Piccadilly Gardens and the 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 way that life works um around that part of the town. Do all that, he'll be fine. It's nobody's gonna be going, Oh no, you can't be bringing a leans manager over here. He's not gonna go in full tracksuit, is he? <laughs> well he might. I want I mean, by the way. I'm hoping anyway that Brentford can pick up on that disrespect as well. Yeah, there's another yeah. thing then. And they can be like, well, and the mitten will be straight on the phone. So you go, Dan, Dan, how do I deal with this? So I'll put, I'll put You've got to save me. Put you in touch with the, the lads down there. Just, be, just be, be bees on there. You know? <laughs> it's, it's weird though. That there's a sort of a slight, there is a, a kind of a symmetry to the stuff we've said as well yeah. about. You, it's him. You kind of realised all he's been doing is listening to Andy Mitten. Hand, like hands across, across, Moscow, oh, take note, I'll do that. Hands across the Pennines. But it's like you don't, you don't, they don't like Leeds, but they do like, accent. they do like coming here. Yeah. And it is, that is kind of what it's about. It is what it's about. Because it's kind of, it is fucking boring going to like Brentford's new ground. It's going to be shit. Plus, because we might be going down on that day, depending yeah. on, on what goes on. But it'll be a shit. It'll be a shit place to go. Whereas, you know, going to well, going, was, going to Old Trafford, it'd be, uh, at least it's at least it's interesting. Well, I was, was chatting Corey tour before, can't you? Got Rovers return. I was chatting to um, an American. Oh, we've got a mural of Tony Wilson. <laughs> I was chatting to an American fan who came over for for the game and was just sort of drawing the parallels between this and like the NFL. And this is just insane. Like, if that was in the NFL, he was saying, you might have, let's say, 30% of the crowd that have been Man United fans and they've all been wearing shirts all mixed in and there's no trouble. You might get the odd drunk fan who'll lamp another one. I mean, they're all wearing helmets as well, so you can't really... It's not even worth <laughs> chucking stuff at them, is there? No, no, the darts just bounce off, don't yeah, they? Yeah, maybe that's the next step. But um, it's just in, term, in terms of the crowd, it's it's just it's next level when it gets like that. And it is, uh, it's dying out, isn't it? Anyway, that's enough scum. Yeah. Let's go across to the... What I've, I think I'm going to take a, Manchester. We'll take a break from this uh, these terrible accents that we've been bombarded with. <laughs> well, what I, I I don't know. Having listened to Scum fans this week and then City Extra, I don't know if I might dislike Man City fans more than Scum fans. It's hard to. It's kind of hard to to. It makes idiots put this in my head. But, but success and runaway success, like we've seen it with Liverpool and how ridiculous they are with their own self identity, they'll be coming. Man City will be coming the same, and Newcastle will end up the same potentially as well. Yeah, and if Diego Flores can wander around Manchester City Centre quite safely, but I think if you go over, what you need to do is you need to find a fan of each club, and you say, "Well, you're basically just exactly the same, though, aren't you?" <laughs> then you need make yeah. sure you've got an exit strategy for that because that's the one thing they do not like. You know those historical diver suits where you massive metal helmet and a mm. grid on the front that's the only way you can go out safely in Manchester as a Leeds coach dressed in a full um, old school diving outfit it, on, is what it, these... it is the worst thing you can say to a, a scum fan now or a City fan it's just, well you're, you're the same as City fans aren't you anyway exactly the same the clip City Extra yes this is them losing to Spurs which 
it's worth putting in context. This is they've played fifteen games, won fourteen, drawn one prior to this. And at least we are going to be good and, and sort of having a, a contributing factor towards the title race this year by losing to Liverpool on Wednesday. Keeping <laughs> um, it exciting for yeah, everybody. Exactly. Yeah. We're doing a, a favour for the Although Premier. We'll even it up by losing to Man City um oh, later true. in yeah, the yeah, season yeah. as well. So it's kind of cancels itself. We're just out. contributing to the narrative. Mm. We can have an exciting couple of weeks. Who can boost the, their goal difference by the most? <laughs> <laughs> Ball played over the side for Spurs. Chance, chance here for Spurs. No, chance look at Dodge rolling into the penalty area. Big chance. No! I told you! They needed to chill out and they couldn't do it. Oh, right. We're 17 seconds into that clip, Michael, and there's about another 25 left. Can we sit <laughs> Mariah that? Carey doesn't have that kind of <laughs> strength of note. That's... Should we, can we continue that? Continue. Or? Bloody hellfire. They got too gassed. Oh my God. They got too gassed. They needed to chill. Another shit defensive performance there, bro, on that cross. Oh my God, I can't believe it. They needed to relax. Oh they got my too giddy. God, I can't I said it. it as soon as they scored. I said, can't. I just need a break. And I think everyone oh, could... Sorry, I started the next clip there. I just needed a break. There's about another nine seconds of it left. I just needed to pause that they one. They got too giddy. <laughs> The gas, you gas. I don't know what half that stuff means. <laughs> Are you ready? We'll do the final nine seconds. Calm down. They didn't calm down. Everyone come past the ball, and now we're 3 2 down. Oh my God. I can't what a fucking shit show. Yeah, you said it, mate. Yeah, everyone couldn't pass the ball. That's, I remember thinking that when I watched that goal go in. Every, same against us in the Everyone couldn't pass them all. Same, same against us. No. If, let's just hope they get too gassed against us because yes. can't do it when they're too gassed. No. What does, that, out. does that mean tired? I think it means I think it means like he's getting I think he's making the point they're too excited. Like yeah. they're, they're sort of because they got quite a late like, equaliser. Like giddy children. I think because they got a late equaliser I think he was saying they got too pumped up by that. So you've been, were... you've been to the play area for your birthday, you've run around too much, you've had your jelly and ice cream afterwards, you've made yourself sick, now you're crying, you've ruined your birthday, mm. that kind of thing. That sort of a thing. The, yeah. um, uh, the Cambridge Dictionary does say the definition is uh, too excited. Um, for example, um, I'm so gassed about my party on Saturday. How gassed were you when you realised you'd won? Um, I was gassed when my golf ball struck. Sorry, carry on. Urban Dictionary goes to, uh, brings in the, uh, under the uh, influence of various pharmaceuticals. Ah. Uh, right, anyway, the clip that so I accidentally... I'm not sure it's an accusation that he's well, playing, I, I placing got, against the I got so I got so gassed during that clip that I accidentally started the next one when I put, tried to pause the other one, so... Is he another gassed character? It might be. Is he so, giddy? Are you, Does he need to chill out? You're bringing us Paul Heckenbottom, former Leeds United genius manager Paul Heckenbottom. I mean, we've introduced it so you know what's coming, but uh, it's didn't... just taken ages. I think he's... I had a theory that he'd been tipped off about this right because he he said it as Moscow was highlighted originally he said it all the time at Leeds he said it all the time at Sheffield United and then he stopped mm -hmm. when we started like relentlessly picking up like, on it like Skynet in Terminator became self-aware so I don't know if someone had just said Paul they're laughing at you with your <laughs> with your your whip ball way out ball but they beat Swansea 4-0 this week they're doing very well actually very good very good win for him but I think maybe in the he was too gassed and forgot about his new interview rule and I think everyone there could would agree it should have been more goals. So yeah, we were we were really good. We we're really good with the ball. Really good without the ball. There we go. Yes. Tick. Hang on. We should, that's what we should use the bell for now. We're ball. We're ball. We're out ball. Yeah. The we ball, be, the ball bell. We should be trying to track Sheffield United's form against mentions of uh, we're ball. We're out ball. Mm. See whether whether now he's brought it back. They could just go on a losing run. You do know. You know if they get up through the playoffs or whatever. If they make it up into the Premier League somehow. 
I bet he can't resist some sort of reference, like a really sort of left field reference to getting sacked by Leeds. Mm, possibly. He, he, it was This was always coming. Yeah. He just needed more time. So I just needed that. As I was saying to Andrea when I left, when we were still in touch, you know, like um, I'm, I'm turning to Neil Warnock here, but like, I'm channeling his Warnock. Uh, yeah, I was saying at the time, you know, I always had this in me uh, and I was just starting to implement my ideas at Leeds and maybe this could have been the result if, hey, shut up. Well, you mentioned Warnock. Ah. He's, he's mentioned next, um, someone called Matt Crooks, who I'll be honest, I'd not heard of particularly. He plays for Borough. I came across this clip trying to find if any new Neil Warnock stuff had been put on YouTube. Can I just ask, is this a euphemism? You said you've put on the notes here, you've put talking about Neil Warnock's garden. It's um, his... A famously out, hairless man. The, the area outside of his house. Oh, thank God. I'm talking about here. This is actually an appeal for information because we've heard a lot about the barbecues, but I've never heard about this before and I can't find any pictures of it. But So if anyone's got um, a picture, I wants to do like a little bit of reconnaissance in the Warnock... Are you suggesting... At, at the are, you, are you inviting people to spy, <laughs> spy on a professional football manager? I'd just like to see this. Oh, okay. They always do this like barbecue at his house. Honestly, unbelievable. So I, did, I didn't manage to get there because I didn't tie in time because I threw a medical. But I've seen the pictures after. And in his house, in his garden, he's got a bench and then there's a picture. I don't, can you see me? Yeah, yeah. So there's, a, there's on a bench and there's like a statue of him. And she's out like that. So when everyone, <laughs> anyone sits on the bench, just getting like a cut off and a lot of Unbelievable. That's like Ronald McDonald, isn't it? Or is it KFC when you go into KFC and the Colonel's sat there on a bench and you can sit with him? He's got a Neil Warnock one in his, in his own garden. Were you aware of this, Moscow? I know you've, you've done a lot of research on, on Neil Warnock, but this was news to me. Yeah, I did not know this. Mm. Um, so I'm, if anyone's got a picture of this... I'm, glad, actually, I'm glad I do know now. It's amazing that there isn't a picture of it because if you were doing a, an interview with Warnock at his house, you'd get that. Unless he's like, no, the, no, you don't say that. I mean, we've got the one of him... No, you're going to... Uh, I mean, it's all right, lads. When you, you can have a, you can have another photo of me in bed with the, uh, with the, the, the championship trophy. If you're like, that's fine. But in the garden with me bench, no. There's Show also, some respect. My privacy's me own. There's a slight. Uh, I always tell Sharon we uh, we need to be very private. Like, <laughs> the kids as well. They, they, little Amy knows that. Little uh, Amy, she's if, about thirty now. <laughs> if anybody knows that uh, Neil Warnock's a dad, that's why. I, that's why I never talk about them because uh, I'm a very, very private individual on that bench. Uh, I, I can't believe he's been out there talking about my bench. Do you know, Some um, things have got to stay private in the game. You know, the dressing room's the dressing room. It's a, it's a, it's a, nothing sacrosanct. Nothing is sacrosanct. Sacrosanct. Nothing is sacrosanct. 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 You mean? Sacre- <laughs> I mean, you can. You know, this is uh, this is why I, uh, they won't let me on the BBC anymore because they they try to trip me up with the the big words. But there's, you know, some things just just. Oh, out. Are, are, are you gassed? I am. Um, he's gassed. What, what he's we'll got say two gassed. Do you know what? The reason why he's got a statue of himself in his garden is because, and, and I can almost say with certainty, the reason why is because they haven't built a statue of him elsewhere that I'm aware of. So they've not built statues. Jose's got a statue and so-and-so's got a statue, but they've never built one of me, have they, after all my promotion? So I built one. And, the, and they'll, I'm turning on talk spot. They'll go, oh, Neil, you're a character. And then we all chuckle and go off home. Where actually it's it's hugely narcissistic. I'm trying to find where I found this clip now, and it seems to have disappeared off YouTube. Well, you see, you don't talk about the bench. Yeah, well, it's like, it's like Fight Club, you've broken the code here. I do wonder if part of the reason it's been withdrawn, there's a story that gets kind of mangled in it. Is it a good story to tell if it's been removed from the internet for possibly legal reasons? Does it concern bonus payments? No, it concerns um, Sharon, actually, because she's, oh, she's talking to um, Matt Crooks, and she's saying it's something about his girlfriend and how he was he wasn't at the barbecue because it was his girlfriend's birthday and also he hadn't signed properly yet. I'm getting worried now. And then Sharon says, 
Oh, that's, um, uh, you know, that's, that's a coincidence because that's what Neil used to call me when we were having an affair. <laughs> and he's it, not quite clear if he's not mentioned his girlfriend's name. So I don't know if, if she had a false name or something while her and Neil were getting together or whether Neil just used to call him his girlfriend or I, something. What I think was, here is we should specula- speculate about this off air. Okay. When we've stopped recording. Mos- Moscow very much giving me eyes as yeah. to say, Let's stop. Don't do this. But it, uh, it was on there. It was on YouTube. And well, yeah, now it's not. Everything so on YouTube's true, isn't it? We wonder which uh, <laughs> which legal firm insured its removal. Well, maybe we'll find out soon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we were about to perform a legal edit, but Michael, you've got good news. The uh, It hasn't been removed from, from YouTube. It's just, there's so much Warnock content on there. It's um, it's hard to find. But yeah, the Dozcast, it does remain. So if, if you want to go and watch that. We should set a Warnock hub or something like that, shouldn't we? Get all those hot Warnock clips in one place. I bet. You, I bet Warnock. I bet he goes on YouTube and I bet he gets lost in conspiracy wormholes and ends up taking his <laughs> laptop to Sharon. Be like, Sharon, have you seen this? It seems legit. This guy's got. He's got his own YouTube channel. He, See what this Matt Crooks fella's saying about you. <laughs> anyway, let's um, let's wrap. He didn't it up even there. come to the barbecue. Let us wrap it up there. I think before we get ourselves into trouble. Um, thank you for and, watching. Uh, any and pictures? Thank, thank any you pictures for, of no. that bench? No, the bench. Oh, all right, no. We yeah. need to see this bench. I thought you meant Neil's garden. Um, right, yeah, we will wrap it up there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll catch up with you on the main weekly show, which we're going to record after this. That will be along on uh, Wednesday. So we'll uh, we'll see you then. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.